Good evening and welcome to the Spin Around Sports on 89.1 FM WXVU Villanova Radio. I am joined here as always by Ryan Pacino. We'll be taking you up until just before 10 o'clock on this Monday night. Right now it is just past the bottom of the hour here, which means it is time for your WXVU Sports Headlines. We will start in Major League Baseball where they are through to the second round. Right now, the Rays have just scored to make their game with the Yankees 1-1 one one after one inning. And the Astros were powered by Carlos Correa today as they popped out to a 10-5 win over the Athletics. In the NFL right now, we have a Monday night doubleheader tonight. At halftime, it is the Chiefs over the Patriots 6-3 at Arrowhead. Coming up in just over a half hour from Lambeau Field, it is the Falcons and the Green Bay Packers in other news this weekend. Denny Hamlin won the Yellowwood 500 at Talladega to advance to the round of eight in the NASCAR playoffs. And Sarah Hall became the first American to reach the podium of the London Marathon with her second place finish there. And those are your WXVU sports headlines. We will be back at the top of the hour. All right, Ryan, we are here looking at week four of the NFL Initial thoughts on the week that was ravaged by coronavirus in the NFL? Oh, yeah, just a crazy week. I woke up yesterday morning uh, just hoping that there would be some football um, because, you know, there were rumors about the coaches getting together and, you know, perhaps negotiating a pause uh, for the league. And, um, yeah, I mean, I I think we uh, were pretty lucky to have gotten this far without too many major COVID issues. Uh, There were some false positives, of course, but ultimately uh, the NFL hung in there and and got through the week with uh, every game being played but one, the Titans and the Steelers, obviously, given the bye this week. So uh, given all the the COVID reports, uh, all in all, pretty good by the NFL to to get a nice week of football in. Um, And and we continued to see some good football by some teams, uh, some not-so-good football by others. Uh, But just nice to have football um, for the time being. Yeah, so let's start with some of those teams that are playing some pretty good football right now. We have, in the NFL, we only have two teams sitting at 4-0. The Packers and the Chiefs both have chances to get there tonight. Those are Seattle Seahawks, which is not a surprise to many of us, and the Buffalo Bills. And there have been really been talks about the Buffalo Bills that are they a top five team in the NFL? And I don't see right now how you can say anything but yes to that. Josh Allen, again, Stephon Diggs has taken him to a whole nother level. Um, He's been dominant every game they've played. The running game is still chugging along, and that defense has Buffalo right where they need them. But Josh Allen has really proved a lot of doubters wrong. You know, the Bills haven't played any great teams yet. The Rams are probably the best team they've played. Maybe the Raiders on the road. But would you agree that they're a top-five team in the league right now? Uh, I agree with you. I just don't see how they wouldn't be. Um, the expectations were higher than just about ever coming into this season for them, and they have definitely have not disappointed. Uh, they have the quality wins against really good teams. Uh, they came into the season with uh, a lot of high expectations, particularly for their defense. Uh, but as you said, with an offense like that, uh, you know, the way it's been combined with that really good defense, they're going to be really tough. I had the Arizona Cardinals bring in DeAndre Hopkins. It's kind of my dark horse pick for this season. Not that they can't still be at 2-2. Two and two. Uh, They're in an okay spot, but it's really been the Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen story up in Buffalo. Um, he's really helped them really great, 
great at stretching the field out. Um, and Josh Allen does a great job using his legs, getting outside the pocket, making plays, spreading the ball around. And uh, it's been pretty to watch. Um, they, they do a great job of uh, throwing the ball. And on defense, they have a really talented front seven um, who you can't really run the ball too much against. Uh, so the Bills are really looking great. Um, they Again, they have the quality wins, and uh, we will see moving forward. But this team is a legitimate threat to not only win the AFC uh, East, but also uh, go deep into the playoffs. Yeah, and I think it is important to look, though, five of their next six games are against likely playoff teams. You have at Tennessee, at home against the Chiefs, at the Meadowlands against the Jets, which is clearly not a playoff team. Then you host the Patriots, host the Seahawks, and go to Arizona. Those are six really tough games. They're going to probably have to win at least three, four of them. Do you see that happening? You know, obviously the Jets they should handle. We don't even know if Tennessee will be playing next week. But it'll be the big question is whether they can take, say, two out of four from the Chiefs, the Patriots, the Seahawks, and the Cardinals. I really don't see them quite at that uh, spot yet. But I guess time will tell. I actually, I, I, I can see them doing it. Um, I think they're good enough to do it. Um, two and two for them against those teams. Uh, I would say a really good team, a top five team, if, if you're ready to put them in that category, um, would be able to do that. Uh, the, the Seattle Seahawks certainly look unbelievable, but they are not without their flaws. I'll take the Bills in that game. I think uh, it's a good matchup for the Bills. I think they'll really be able to slow down Russell Wilson, kind of keep him contained in the pocket. Uh, as much as Russell Wilson can be contained in the pocket and kind of exploit that offensive line. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think uh, I, I think two out of four is a, a good bet for the Bills there. Um, I, I don't see them doing any better than that. Again, that is that is a tough stretch of games. But I'm, I'm going to take a, a wild shot here and say that they beat the Seahawks. But I think the Patriots, uh, that's going to be close to a must-win game for them to win the division the way things look right now. So, um, I'm going to take the Patriots over them and a two and two stretch over those games for the Bills. Yeah, I agree. We're looking at a two and two stretch as well. Um, I think the Bills have a chance to take one of the two from the Patriots, probably the one at Orchard Park, which is the one we have coming up. Um, but moving on to, you know, what we start in the AFC East. Let's go to the NFC East now. We have a division leader who's sitting at one, two, and one. The Eagles didn't look promising last night. But as bad as they've looked in their first four games, they still have to be the favorite to win this division. I mean, can you see anyone, especially Dallas, coming back to get them? <laughs> I wish I weren't on air saying this, but uh, I still got to take the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC East. And uh, <laughs> I'm sure my family's going to get me for this one. But, uh, yeah, I just don't see how Dallas wouldn't win the division. They had the second-place schedule. Um which is easier than the Eagles' first-place schedule. They're still trying to get healthy on defense, and, and once they do that, if they can do that, and ultimately I think how fast they do that is going to determine their success. If their offense continues to score near 40 points a game, I just don't see how they're not going to win a division that's this week. Um, it hasn't been a good start for the Cowboys, but it's only been four weeks. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see how things progress. Uh, the Eagles definitely looked encouraging last night, uh, but... Yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. I think the uh, I think the Cowboys are going to win this division, though. Um, I think the schedule is is just too much for the Eagles in the in the coming weeks. Uh, again, they did beat a San Francisco team last night that was really banged up, 
uh, backup quarterback in Nick Mullins, who did not play well at all um, and really kind of blew his chance at maybe being the guy there in San Francisco or somewhere else in the near future. Um, kind of gave the Eagles a gift last night, but the Eagles give them credit. They played much better, much better intensity on both sides of the ball. Once Nick Mullins made a few mistakes early, it looked like the Eagles uh, knew that they would have a chance, and they played like it. They played like their season was on the line. So definitely some encouraging things from the Eagles. I do think it's going to be close and come down to the wire between those two. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Dak Prescott thrown for 450 yards three weeks in a row. Um, first quarterback ever to do that. But this Dallas defense is absolutely brutal. I mean, they're letting the Cleveland Browns absolutely run all over them yesterday. Um they have three rushers over 70 yards. You know, they shut down Baker Mayfield, which isn't that much of an accomplishment, if we're being honest. But the fact that this defense is just giving up this level of points, you know, they've given up 38 points or more each of the last three games. You know, they got the Giants this week, so hopefully they can figure it out there. I mean, that's as good of a place as you're going to get if you're a team looking to figure things out. But they really got to turn around quickly. You know, they just seem lost. The offense is firing, but at the end of the day, you know, they get down and the defense throws them in such big holes that they try to fight back, and they did yesterday with 24 points in the fourth quarter. It was a spirited effort, but they only are going to have so many more of those. Mike McCarthy, you know, in his first year, how long does he have the locker room before he just loses it? I mean, it didn't end all too well for him in Green Bay. I mean, that was probably a more talented team. You know, you got to hold the locker room. They all fought hard for Jason Garrett down to the end. I'm just not convinced that unless they start getting results, they're going to start fighting for Mike McCarthy. I really like your analysis as an Eagles fan, and I'm hoping you're right. Um, but Mike McCarthy's a proven winner. Um, I really feel like I'm doing my Eagles bad here, but uh, Mike McCarthy's a proven winner, and I, I think he'll get it figured out with them. Um, Again, it's just a matter of time before some guys come back healthy on that defense. And when that happens, Dallas should look like a much better team. But at the same time, don't be fooled by the offense necessarily. Teams are kind of giving them, you know, plays underneath uh, and, you know, leaving the flat and, you know, that little 10-yard territory wide open and letting them move down the field uh, just to eat some clock. So the Cowboys have just been taking what they've been giving, uh, what they've been given on offense um, to this point, and that's that might be resulting in you know such high scores. They did come back in the Atlanta game, but really they should be 0-4. That should have never happened with the onside kick oh, yeah. and forgetting the rules. So, I mean, that's how close that team really is to 0-4. They also fought Seattle really tough in Seattle, um, which shows me that they're going to be in this thing. They're a better team than they've played so far. But if they don't figure out their defensive issues, uh, they could be out of this thing, and, and that's just crazy considering the division. Um, I do think Mike McCarthy will get it together with, with the Cowboys. And, you know, I, I don't really think they have much of a choice down there. They're, you know, fans are already pretty upset with the way the last couple of years have gone. So um, definitely too much, too much talent down there, I think, to go around. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, I agree that they have a shot, but they got to write this ship real quick. Otherwise, it's going to just take on way too much water. But another two other teams that are really trying to write the ship – were Minnesota and Houston. They played each other at Reliant Stadium this weekend down in Houston. You had both teams who were projected to be playoff teams sitting at 0-3 for various reasons. Um, you know, we obviously learned today that Bill O'Brien lost his job as a result of this game, which we can discuss in addition to the game. But the Minnesota Vikings showed up to play. You know, they jumped out to an early lead and really shut down this Houston Texans offense, which 
there's a big reason Mike McCarthy got fired. Again, the offense isn't clicking, but when it mattered, the Stars showed up. Kirk Cousins played well. Dalvin Cook put the team on his back with 27 carries for 130 yards and two touchdowns. Does not look like his knee is causing him any problems anymore. You know, without Stefan Diggs, they should just pound the ball to Dalvin Cook every play. And if they did that, granted, he'd probably get hurt given his injury history. But uh, Kirk Cousins, uh, it, realistically, Kirk Cousins had a great game. Um, Dalvin Cook, probably the best pure running back in the NFL as far as skill. He's got a good offensive line to run behind. Uh, but he's just so talented with the ball. I mean, you give him the ball anywhere within five yards, he's going to get into the end zone if you give him, you know, two or three shots. So first and goal from inside the five for them is, is almost a guaranteed touchdown. And when you can have that, it gives you so much of an advantage over other teams uh, who aren't as much of a guarantee. Uh, just having a guy like that that you can just feed the ball to and, and just guarantee yourself some yards. Uh, really dynamic player. He's got such a bright future if he can just stay healthy. Huge win for the Vikings yesterday and what was definitely a must-win game for both those teams. It's going to be tough to see the Texans recover from an 0-4 start and the subsequent firing of their head coach, which I think is a little bit tough for Bill O'Brien, given that he assembled the team and was ultimately only given four games to get it right, um, it feels like. Uh, but we will see. I, there's still enough talent down there in Houston where I think they can be a close to 500 team, but they have a you know they have a really uphill climb now. As for Minnesota, they've had some tough losses against some good teams. They really needed just one to get them going. We saw the Texans who started 0-3 two years ago, ended up making the playoffs, winning the division. I think a similar thing can happen in Minnesota. Um, they have an uphill climb too, but they got it off on the right foot yesterday. Yeah, we'll be seeing Minnesota next Sunday night out in Seattle, which will get a real good test of whether they are. Doesn't get any easier. No, they're a big game team, but. You discussed, I think, Bill O'Brien um, getting the hook maybe a little too soon. I think it's important to distinct the, to make the distinction between Bill O'Brien, the coach, and Bill O'Brien, the GM. I realize that you can only, you know, he's one guy. You either got to keep the coach and the GM or fire both. And, well, he's only been the GM now for, I mean, four weeks of football. He's had this whole offseason. He's been the coach in Houston for a long enough time, and the results haven't been there. I mean... They started off real strong in the Deshaun Watson era. They've had a couple of duds now the last couple of years. At what point, you know, Deshaun Watson, he just signed his new extension. If you're going to really invest in him, I think it's smart to do it with someone else. Bill O'Brien's not the guy there long term. He should have never been given uh, control of personnel. He's never had that before, and I don't think he'll have it again anytime soon. You really want to see the best of the best head coaches get that nowadays. And I just don't think he fits in that category but i personally like the firing by the texans you know it's now or never for them and they got a light of spark under that team they got two manageable games you know jacksonville and tennessee coming up so hopefully they can get it going but it was not going to happen with bill o'brien in houston i think a lot of houston fans would agree with you i think uh his inability to win in the playoffs ultimately did him in so to see him start zero and four and just have it you know, and the 0-3 start a couple years ago, even though they were able to climb out of that hole. Um, just too much inconsistency ultimately over the years is, I think, what did him in. I don't think it was just these first four games. I think it was a history of being unable to win in the playoffs. They had a great win over Buffalo in the playoffs last year, granted. Uh, but having the 24 nothing, I believe it was, lead against the Chiefs at Arrowhead, who would eventually be your Super Bowl champions, um, and making some really questionable decisions in that game and, almost single-handedly allowing the Chiefs back in that game and just giving them 
all the momentum they needed to just take it and run with it. I think the Chiefs ended up scoring 38 unanswered at one point. Um, ultimately, I think that is the kind of stuff that made Texans management wonder about Bill O'Brien, and I think ultimately that's what cost him his job. Yeah, I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but they just announced the interim coach is Romeo Cornell, another guy with a lot of experience, definitely a defensive mind. Seems to be a guy that'll fit the bill well for the Texans. Again, highly respected around the league, which Bill O'Brien, I think, garners some respect, but for his on-the-field decision-making, I don't think he garners that much. Well, Cornell has a proven track record. He should hopefully help figure this defense out a little bit. Personally, I like the naming of him as interim coach. Yeah, I think the move definitely makes sense uh, for now for the Texans. As you said, defensive mind. Um, they definitely could use the defensive help. Um, you see where the Texans are going. They're still trying to make something out of this year, it feels like. Uh, they're not packing it in. The division is still winnable. Um, you have the Colts at 3-1. and one. They're looking like probably the favorites in that division. I know you have the Titans at 3-0, and oh, but they've won some very close games. They're going to be in close games throughout the year. Um, so they're still trying to make something out of this year with the, you know, with the COVID situation and the extra uh, playoff team uh, in both conferences. So that I think they clearly still think they have a chance with those first four games against really tough teams, all four of them, uh, with the talent uh, behind them. Um, but they could definitely use the defensive help. They have the weapons on offense. They should they have Deshaun Watson, who's proven he can win the big games. Um, so I th- it makes sense for the Texans if they want to make something out of this season. I just don't know if there's enough time for them to climb out of this hole. Yeah, that's definitely, I think, a valid point. Are they a playoff team? Maybe, but they're going to probably have to win at least 9 or 10 games. Maybe you can get in with 8 wins this year, but that's still a massive turnaround from where they're at now. I know we had talked, because we did not have a show last week, so two weeks ago the Arizona Cardinals were sitting at 2-0, and coming off wins over Washington and San Francisco, and we were both gassing them up a lot, you know, saying that this team is legit. You know, Kyler Murray's got this second year under his belt. You know, he's going to take that step. And now we've seen them lose two games in a row to Detroit at home and on the road against Carolina. You know, they got the Jets this week before going to Dallas on Monday night and then Seattle. This team might have been a little too overhyped. I think I fell into that trap as well. You know, DeAndre Hawkins made a huge difference. He hasn't been a huge factor either the last two weeks. I think the team really depends on him. Kyler Murray's going to do his thing, and he'll give you, an, most of the time, a chance to win. Not always the best chance, but he'll give you a chance. But he needs some supporting help. He's still only a second-year quarterback, and if the Cardinals can't get more consistency, especially on the ground, I think they're going to have a hard time being successful this year. Well, the Cardinals have definitely had uh, some tough games the last two weeks. Um, with the uh, winless Detroit team coming into Arizona and pulling off the upset with the return of Kenny Galladay, who's just such a difference maker for that Detroit team. So you think, okay, Galladay, Detroit has been there. They almost beat Chicago, who was 3-0. and um, You know, they've been there. They, they fought Green Bay. They stayed in the game for a while. Uh, so you figure, okay, this Detroit team maybe might not be that bad. Uh, but then the Cardinals go out to Carolina and, you know, probably play their worst of the first four games. Um, and they're definitely trending in the wrong direction uh, as we sit here right now. Um, two and two, they, they have a couple opportunities to get their season back on the right track. And I think they will the next couple weeks. I actually both have both those games down as wins for the Cardinals. Um, so there is time. 
uh, they should easily beat the Jets. Is that back in Arizona, I think you said? So mm-hmm. um, definitely they have time, but they just got to get to what they were doing the first couple weeks. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, making sure they get him the ball. Team just kind of tried to take him away a little bit. I'm really surprised at the usage of Kenyon Drake. Um, he was kind of the X factor uh, coming into the season, all uh, high expectations for him, and, and it just hasn't been there for him for each of the first four weeks of the season. Um, the volume is there, um, which is, you know, it's, it's just really it's a mystery why they haven't been able to get him going, uh, running behind a questionable offensive line for sure. But I saw a play call he made yesterday where they decided to pitch the ball to the left, and the blocking just it didn't look like it was there at all. It was just a really questionable play call. Uh, on I think it was first and goal from like the the two or or something, um, just just a questionable play call in my opinion. So if they can figure out how to get Kenyon Drake going, I think that's going to be the the biggest thing for their offense. And as far as their defense, definitely not trending in the right direction. But there's time for them to get it fixed. They have the talent um, to get it fixed. And let's just say they went up against two tough offenses the last two weeks. Detroit's been respectable. But Carolina's been playing really well. Teddy Bridgewater, everywhere he goes, it feels like he just exceeds expectations. And Matt Rule's got that Carolina team looking really legitimate. But I think Cardinals will turn it around. Yeah, they definitely have a shot. Um, Only time will tell whether it happens. But I think, you know, the biggest story about the NFL this week, unfortunately for the NFL, has not been anything that's happened on the field. It's been what's been happening with the Tennessee Titans, The you know, their game with the Pittsburgh Steelers being canceled. And, you know, you still have guys testing positive as long after the game as yesterday. There's clearly, I think it's up to at least 20 now from Tennessee. You know, we don't know whether they'll, they're not playing this week, obviously. Then next week is still in question. Do you think the NFL is doing enough to keep this season going and keep their players safe? Uh, that's a tough one. I really think they're doing all they can. Um, you can't really have a bubble kind of format with, the rosters being as big as they are and, you know, needing all an NFL team needs, you know, the personnel, the staff, um, if players get hurt, you need definitely an abundance of players. Um, I just don't see how a bubble system would work as far as health and safety. Uh, I think they're doing all they can. I mean, you can only really control these guys so much. I definitely saw more mask wearing, uh, specifically in the Sunday night game last night. Um, they're definitely cracking down on coaches and, staff and personnel and even players when not in the game having the masks on which is a step in the right direction i think we kind of knew that you know covid would interrupt this season in some sort of form um but the goal was kind of to control it and not let it get out of control and they've done that so far we don't know what the future is going to hold uh but they definitely over the long off season they came up with with ways you know if covid did you know bring things out of control ways to make up for it to maybe shorten the season so they have these kind of contingency plans the coaches um are going to meet and you know decide whether or not a pause might be necessary uh definitely keeping an eye on that for sure but i think they're doing all they can do they're in a tough spot uh covid is just it's changing every day um so you know nobody really knows for sure but i think they're doing all they can do yeah i would say that that is um a valid uh, way to put it. I think the league's only doing so much until you get to this Patriots situation. If Cam Newton on Friday testing positive, and they got him out and isolated him pretty quickly, but then, you know, with guys still testing positive six days later for Tennessee, 
they have all the Patriots guys testing negative to send them on a plane. But they had to have 20 guys who were in close enough contact with Cam flying another plane. So if you can't fly on another plane with, this other, with the rest of the team, I find it really hard to believe that it's safe enough to then go line up and go head-to-head with 53 other guys for all that time. You know, what is the chance that one of them is not positive as well? I know might not be showing symptoms yet or um, still incubating the virus, but that's one that really um, got me. You know, if this wasn't the marquee game of the week, you know, this was supposed to be 425 on Sunday for the whole country to see effectively on CBS. You know, this is their big game of the week. You know, AFC Championship rematch. If that wasn't the case, I wonder if they would not have played this game. Yeah, it's definitely, it's a tough thing. Again, you can't really say anything for sure. Um, COVID is just ever-evolving, ever-changing. So, you know, you just never know. Um, But the Cam Newton situation is definitely interesting. I personally was really surprised that there was not another, not one single other positive test uh, with the Patriots, but that doesn't mean that um, that doesn't mean they're immune to it yet. Um, who knows? People could have it. We might see an explosion over with with the Patriots and COVID over the next couple days. Um, but you know, ultimately, I, I think they've they've done just about all you can do, putting them on another plane, um, and maybe I don't know, trying to keep them distant and you know, with masks on the sideline is as best you can while, you know, while still playing the game. A lot of people thought that this game should not have been played, and I understand that side of it too. Um, but, again, there's only so much the NFL can do as far as scheduling and, you know, switching around buys. And it, it's – the MLB, I thought, did a great job with, you know, switching around schedules. And, you know, I didn't think there was ever a chance of the MLB happening um, after what happened with the Marlins and Cardinals really early. Um, I, I thought the whole season was going to get shut down after, like, a week. Um, and they were able to finish. NFL is a much different scenario, but I, I can only hope that something similar is going to happen and that they just take I, the mask wearing is very important. We all know what masks can do. Um, so if the players are responsible, that'll help things uh, and hopefully control this as much as possible. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the MLB. That's a very good um, parallel to this. You know, obviously there's less contact in the MLB and there's smaller teams, but I think, you know, they had their outbreak too the hotel bar, the casinos, you know, that all happened with them and they made it through and we all had our doubts. So in theory, that means the NFL should make it through too. My worry is you could just have now created one positive test on the Patriots and made it 20 on each of the Patriots and the Chiefs, you know, when that could have been avoided. But this game is happening right now, so we might as well talk about it quickly. It's still 6-3 to three with two minutes to go in the third quarter. You know, Brian Hoyer's had the Patriots within the inside the 10-yard line twice. He got sacked at the end of the half and let time run out because he thought he had a timeout when he didn't. And now he just fumbled. You know, we had talked a little bit off the air about whether Jared Stidham would come in to start the second half. He obviously didn't. Now after Hoyer blows it again in the red zone, you'd have to think we might be seeing the first real uh, meaningful game time for Jared Stidham. I mean, how can you not? Brian Hoyer is 15-24 for 130 yards. He's got a touchdown a fumble, and like eight mental mistakes. But, you know, he's a solid veteran in this league. He's been around, you know, a while, 34 years old, on his fourth run with the Patriots alone. But at what point do you say, all right, we went with the vet, you know, we're still in this game. Now, Stidham, go out and show us why you're still here. You know, go win us this game. 
the running game hasn't really been there tonight because um, Hoyer's just kind of taking the passing game out of it. So the Chiefs have been loading the box. You know, I personally would like to see Jared Stidham before this game and not in garbage time. Wonder if Bill will do it for sure. Well, the Patriots know that they got to keep winning to keep pace with the Bills. Now, granted, they are playing the Chiefs. They just played the Seahawks, two, probably two, the two best teams in the NFL right now. Um, at least that's the way it's looking. Um, but, yeah, they're right in the game. The defense is doing the best job we've seen against the, the Chiefs probably all season. Maybe the Chargers, but, you know, the Chiefs came back in the end and, and had their way. Mahomes, you know, passed the ball all over them. So the Chiefs are doing a great job on the road. That defense is the real deal. Um why not try to go and win the game? I know you had Brian Hoyer, the veteran. He's been around, it's funny you say, four times with the Patriots alone. That's just crazy. Um, I remember the one year he led the Texans to that uh, that division title, and then uh, in the playoff game, he was he probably had one of the worst games a quarterback ever had yep. uh, against, the, against those Chiefs. So maybe it's just a Chiefs thing with him. But ultimately, he got three points on the scoreboard. So all the other stats you can just kind of throw out the door. Um, we saw what C.J. Beathard last night when he came in for the 49ers and lit a real spark and almost brought them back uh, to win the game on Sunday Night Football. I think it's definitely worth a shot to bring Jarrett Stidham in. This kid's legit. Uh, he had a great preseason last year, um, and I think we saw a lot of good things from him. He can really throw the deep ball, um, and I think that's a way you can exploit this Kansas City secondary um, because Brian Hoyer has not been able to do it clearly. Um, so I think it's worth a shot to maybe – throw him out there and just see what happens because Brian Hoyer's not getting the job done. So, and we know what Stidham can do. We know he has some, some real, some real talent and maybe light a spark. So I think it's worth a shot for sure. Uh, but great game. Can't ask for any better. It looks like the, uh, looks like the chiefs just scored. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it might, might be time for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're probably coming out down 10 right at the end of the third quarter. It's winning time now going into the fourth quarter. And we have just now that we reached the top of the hour, Another game about to kick off um, with the Packers hosting the Falcons. This game should not be close. Um, the Falcons <laughs> are coached by Dan Quinn, which means it should not be co- close. Um, you know, they played Seattle pretty well. They played Dallas decently. You know, and they played the Bears decently. Those are three good teams. I don't think this Falcons team, as bad as their head coach is, is nearly as bad as they've been made out to be. You know, Matt Ryan is still Matt Ryan. Julio Jones is still Julio Jones. There's a, you know, a non-zero chance that they could really at least give this Packers team a good run tonight. Well, they should not be an 0-3 team. Uh, they could at least be 2-1. Um, the Seahawks game, okay, they played them tough. They shouldn't have won it, though. The next two, yeah, they probably should have had them both. They should be a 2-1 team, uh, even with the defensive problems they've had. No excuse for not knowing the rules. No excuse for, I love Nick Foles, but no excuse for allowing a backup quarterback to bring a, a struggling offense back uh, to win the game especially at home. Um, so I think their offense is going to do enough to stay in this game. I'm not a huge believer in the Packers. Um, and I you think I wouldn't be surprised that the Falcons actually come away with this when they like playing for Dan Quinn. We saw it last year down the stretch. Um, and, you know, I, I think they definitely do play for him. All the games have been close. They're right in They're right. And they just got to stop the mistakes. They got to stop them making mental mistakes uh, and, and just go out there and, and close out a football game. And I really do think the Falcons have a chance. I think this will be a close game. Um, we saw last year uh, the Packers in a similar situation, 3-0, and playing at home on prime time against the Eagles and losing a 34-27 to shootout. So I think it's going to be a close game, and I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if the Falcons, I'm not going to say I think they're going to win, 
but I wouldn't be surprised if the Falcons come away with this one. I would not either, and I also think that if they don't, we might be seeing another head coaching vacancy tomorrow morning. I don't think, you know, the Falcons, like you said, could be a 2-1 and team right now. They're not horrible, but if they fall to 0-4, which they likely will tonight, Dan Quinn's had nine lives already, you know. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was going to be gone before this season. As did I. I thought he could have been gone in the middle of last season, too, but we are running right up on it. We will get to uh, any last-second thoughts on the NFL, Ryan? Uh, I think the, the championship contenders are definitely showing themselves. Seattle, Kansas City, Baltimore is going to be there. I think Baltimore, if they get Kansas City again, they're going to play much better than they did that first time around. That's only going to help Baltimore. We've seen Kansas City struggle tonight, so maybe uh, a recipe for things to come for other teams to replicate. Um, so there's there's some legitimate contenders out there um, that are really starting to to really distance themselves from the rest of the pack. So And, and don't forget about the Bills, as we said earlier. Uh, so it should be interesting to see going forward uh, what goes on. But definitely some some real, real good teams up there at the top. It should be fun. Yeah, for sure. I think you got a, definitely a top three of Kansas City, Seattle, and Buffalo. And there's no one else quite on that pedestal yet. The Patriots, the Packers, you know, they could get there. But right now, I think it's only those three. And it is past the top of the hour now on the Spin Around Sports on 89.1 FM WXVU Villanova Radio, which means it is time for your... Sports update, we'll start in the NFL, where at the end of the third quarter, the Chiefs hold a 13-3 lead over the Patriots at Arrowhead. Jared Stidham is making his way onto the field. He'll be taking over for Brian Hoyer. And we all know what happened the last time the Patriots brought a young backup quarterback out week five at Arrowhead on Monday night. That would be three Super Bowls in five years. All right, also in the NFL, the Falcons and Packers are just underway, about a minute in, no score. In Major League Baseball, the Yankees have taken a 2-1 lead after three over the Rays. The Astros had a 10-5 lead over the Athletics. In, in hockey, the NHL draft is tomorrow. Alexis Lafreniere is projected to go number one overall to the New York Rangers. And we had a couple of deals today, two separate deals with Minnesota and San Jose, the bigger one being Ryan Donato going to San Jose for a third-round pick in 2021. Those are your WXVU Sports headlines, and we will be back with more headlines at the top of the hour. Ryan, now getting into a little bit of baseball here, we got this yankees Rays series. That's really the one I've circled as, you know, the best matchup of this round, at least. You know, this division series, as they are calling it. And right now, the Yankees have a 2-1 lead in Game 1. Uh, Clint Frazier went yard on Blake Snell. This is one of the best pitching matchups you can get in our game today. You have Garrett Cole going up against Blake Snell. And I think even going back to that 13-inning game we saw last week, seems to be the pitchers are holding their own in their playoffs. You know, they talk about how they potentially juice the balls more. You know, but... We saw Trevor Bauer. We saw Max Fiend. Um, we saw now what Garrett Cole and Blake Snell are doing. This is not a hitter's league quite just yet. These pitchers are still providing us with some very entertaining baseball. Yeah, and it was cool to see the offense really uh, become really drastically better last year than it has been in the uh, five or so years leading up to it when pitching was really dominating. Um, this year we've seen the pitching kind of get a lot better and into the playoffs as well. Um, 
So just kind of finding that balance is nice. You like to see the home run ball, but you like to see a guy go out there and throw seven shutout innings against a good offense like guys like Bauer and Freed have been doing. Um, so uh, Sixto Sanchez against the Cubs um, and whatnot. But uh, it's definitely tough that, you know, the Dodgers have to face the Padres um, and the, the Rays have to face the Yankees this early on. I think those are the four best teams left in this thing. Um, I know I'm sleeping on the Athletics a little bit. I think they're probably maybe not. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll have to we'll have to say. I mean, the Astros look great against them today. Um, but it's definitely a tough draw for for all four of those teams. The two of them are going to be gone before even the championship series of their league. Um, but definitely the winners of those series look like the favorites to go to the World Series moving forward. I think. Uh, just the way the seating worked out, uh, unfortunately, you just can't have, um, you know, a, a division winner and a wild card team be one and two. But I think, you know, the two clear best teams in the NL are playing each other. And I think the two World Series favor- you know, favorites to go to the World Series from the AL are playing each other right now. Um, so it's do or die for these teams right now. Um, and, uh, yeah, it should be should be a great matchup on, on both sides. For sure. I think... You know, this Yankees team, it's unfortunate for the Rays that they ran into them. Um, But I think the Rays had another great season. Kevin Cash has really proven he's one of the better managers in the game. I don't think he gets nearly enough credit for the job he does down there. You know, he does not always have the best talent. He actually never has the best talent. He never has the highest payroll. But he's put his team in contention the last few years and done a real nice job. But I agree. I don't see the Yankees losing this series. Um, The pitching's just too good. And Tampa Bay, they're going to have to muster up some offense here. And, you know, they do have some good offensive players. You know, even guys like Manuel Margo, who was, like, totally forgotten out in San Diego. He was a highly touted prospect in the Red Sox organization before being part of the Craig Kimbrell trade. But guys like Adamus and Kiermaier are really going to have to step up. And I just don't see it happening with this rotation that the Yankees can come out and throw. This Padres-Dodgers series going on to that is probably the Dodgers' worst nightmare. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, they are leaps and bounds the World Series favorite um, going out and acquiring one of the best players in baseball this offseason in Mookie Betts. And now they have to face up-and-coming hotshots who have all the confidence in the world, rightfully so. San Diego should have all the confidence that they do. But to have to face them in the division series is just, you know, a tough draw for the Dodgers. They have everything to lose. The Padres have absolutely nothing. If they lose to the Dodgers, they say, well, we lost to the best team. We're going to come back at them better next year. But they also have a good shot of winning this, and I think this will probably be our most entertaining series of the uh, first round. And I saw you just uh, with the fist bump over there. Jared did him to a touchdown for the Patriots over the Chiefs. But... Yeah, did he really? Because, uh, yeah, Green Bay just got one to Aaron Jones, uh, who I have in my lineup <laughs> right now. So really happy about that. I'm the close one. <laughs> touchdowns all around we all around. We <laughs> we take all I get on fantasy football Monday night <laughs> football at the wrong time <laughs> but <laughs> yeah uh, yeah. as you were saying definitely a tough draw for, for both teams and for the Padres too I mean you win however many games they won um, what was it like 30, 30 upper 30s 37, 38 games or something like that um, for the Padres, and, and they managed to, to get the L.A. Dodgers, who won, what, 43 games in, yeah. the, in the second round, the division series, uh, just to, and after a hard-fought battle with the Cardinals that they almost didn't end up getting past them, 
Um, and they, they, the bats woke up just in time in that, in that second game. Um, really tough draw for both teams. Uh, it's going to be great to see these teams. I think there's no doubt this series goes five games. I think the Padres are just good enough to, to make it go five games. Um, you know, the we've seen the Dodgers just roll over teams before in the playoffs just because of their skill, but they're meeting a team that, that is really playing great baseball right now. The confidence they, they hit around the Cardinals who are, they have some of the sneaky best pitching in the league. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's going to be a great series. It's going to come down to the wire. I don't see how the Dodgers don't win it. I think the Dodgers are the better team, better than them and better than anybody else. I don't see how the Dodgers don't win it all this year. Uh, but the Padres are going to give them a run. Um, and this is going to be a great series. You have stars on, on both sides. The Padres are just, their starting lineups just so deep. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have one through nine. I mean, I think their nine hitter in, in game three of that series got, I think, two or three hits in the last game. So everybody on that team can hit. There's nobody you can feel confident pitching to. Uh, but the Dodgers do have enough pitching, I think, to ultimately hold them enough to let their offense do the work. It's going to be a hitting series, I think. Uh, but... The pitching is talented on both sides. I just don't think the Padres have enough pitching right now. If Clevenger hurt, um, I believe uh, Lamette was also hurt. Um, so, you know, we'll see how it goes, but I just don't think the Padres have enough pitching to win this series. Yeah, I was just about to bring in Mike Clevenger. You know, I think his health plays a big deal on it. He sold it through a bullpen yesterday, and they are confident that he can, or at least optimistic that he might have a shot to um at least pitch at some point during this series, but then you have to debate his effectiveness. But I think injuries also play a big role in the Dodgers. Walker Bueller is still dealing with that blister issue he's had. He's been named as the game one starter for tomorrow night. But, you know, he hasn't thrown more than 75 pitches in his last six starts because of this blister. He's clearly still on a pitch count and maybe has blisters now on more than just his index finger. So with him and then Clayton Kershaw, we all know what he's done in the playoffs or what he hasn't done. You know, I think this is where the Dodgers are missing David Price, you know, who is a big game pitcher he showed for the Red Sox after his issues with the Rays and the Blue Jays. But, you know, do they have a big game pitcher who you can count on? Because Bueller, I do agree, is a big game pitcher, but with his blister situation, you know, that's where this Padres team could become a very opportunistic team and take advantage of getting the Dodgers at exactly the right time. <laughs> well, that's funny you say that because it's a bad time to get a blister. <laughs> and it's an even worse time to get a bunch of blisters, uh, especially when you have uh, the talent that Walker Bueller does, and he's shown it over the year, the last couple of years um, in the postseason and throughout the season. Um, but regardless of that, I do think Clayton Kershaw, two words, Clayton Kershaw, that's your big game picture. I think this is the year we already saw it against the Brewers. Brewers only a 29-win team, granted, but they, they had a decent offense throughout the regular season. Um, this is Clayton Kershaw's do-or-die year. If they're going to win the World Series, you know, they're going to win it with Clayton Kershaw. Um, it's been so many years. They've been in the playoffs. They've won the division eight consecutive years. Hasn't gone well for them in the playoffs. Well, you look at why, you probably think the number one reason is Clayton Kershaw's Clayton uh, struggles in the playoffs. I think that ends this year. I think Clayton Kershaw, he's had great games in the playoffs, over the last couple of years, he's gotten better and better in the playoffs to the point where, you know, almost with the no fans, it's like it's just another game. Um, and that needs to be his mentality coming into this. Um, and I think Clayton Kershaw is the guy, the Dodgers, even with the injury problems he's had recently and definitely not getting any younger. 
I think Clayton Kershaw, this is his do or die year, and I think he's going to answer the bell. His stuff is amazing. Um, his location is amazing. There's just, it's going to be tough for the Padres, a young team, an inexperienced team at this point, like, uh, like they are, to, to hit him. That's a bad matchup, I think, for the Padres. Um, and the Dodgers are going to lean hard on Clayton Kershaw because they have to. And this is a great chance for him. Uh, tough break with Walker Bueller, obviously, with what's going on. But I think the Dodgers are good enough. I think they're good enough to get past the Padres without him. And Clayton Kershaw is going to be a big reason why. I think everything you said about Clayton Kershaw being what's going to bring them to the World Series is accurate. I just don't agree. I just disagree that he will get it better this year. I've thought that the last few years, every year, I've had to recant what I've said. <laughs> And I've moved on past Clayton Kershaw. I'm off that train. But I think one of the big points that if he is going to turn it around, the two reasons why, one, like you mentioned, no fans. You know, none of those huge, everyone on their feet, three and two, two outs in the seventh inning when he's a little tired. You saw that's where he struggled in Houston in the 2017 World Series when it got loudest and the lights shine the brightest. He really struggled. Uh, I think that's important to note. So, I mean, don't don't uh, discount that. That's very important, having the no fans. Maybe that's what he needs. Yeah, and then again, also in the National League, there's no cold-weather teams left. Clayton Kershaw has not looked great pitching in the cold. Um, and again, if he faces the Yankees, that could become a factor. But at the same time, those games are going to be in Texas, likely for the World Series anyway, as it looks like Major League Baseball changes their plan, it seems, every other day. But he might dodge cold weather and fans which could put him in the best spot he's ever been in. It's just it, just thinking of teams that you just felt like were never going to do it. You felt it with Villanova basketball, and then they did it in 2016. The teams that have been there, and you think they're never going to do it. Uh, you saw the Washington Nationals do it in 2019. You saw the Toronto Raptors do it in 2019. It happens to every team. Every team gets Even the Eagles got that long-awaited Super Bowl. Um, and if they can do that, uh, anybody can do anything, because it really felt like it was going to be forever. Um, and... This Dodgers team, 43, they're just head and shoulders over everybody else. And even if Clayton Kershaw doesn't have the greatest games, if he gives them six innings, three runs, or seven innings, three runs, even four runs, it just keeps them in the game against a team like the Padres and any other team they, they might face. That might be all they need. They don't even need him to go out there and throw a shutout unless somebody's really bringing it for the other team, which could happen. But they have so – their offense is just – I mean, we talked about the, the Padres' offense being deep – well, the Dodgers is even deeper and even better. Um, so all Clayton Kershaw needs to do at the bare minimum is keep them close. And, you know, we've seen this offense has been so clutch over the years uh, that they might they might actually cover up any of his mistakes uh, themselves um, with the long ball, uh, which they do so well. Mookie Betts just having him, uh, that's huge. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's huge. Uh, this, uh, it was a great sign, great trade. Um, it just looks great right now for the Dodgers having him. Uh, probably the MVP runner-up um, in the in the National League. Um, he makes a huge difference. His bat, having that in the lineup, I mean, adding it to what's already out there, um, <laughs> I just don't see how anybody beats him. I'm sorry. Yeah, and I think also adding the fact that he's won. He's done it. He's He's been through it, and he's seen, you know what, it's not always going to look great, but he's got through, he's won, and he can bring that winning mentality to that locker room. Some other series, I think the Marlins-Braves is very interesting again. You know, this Marlins team, they avoid both the Padres and the Dodgers. You know, they're a very young team. You know, they just swept the Cubs 2-0 in these best-of-three series, which I think we can discuss how entertaining those were um, and how 
this might be something that needs to stay in Major League Baseball just because of almost like March Madness with like six games going on at once, you know. All these games are effectively must-win. You know, we saw most of the series go um, 2-0, you know. But I think this Marlins team, you know, they got through the Cubs really easily. Do you see them slowing down against the Braves? Well, the Marlins are such an interesting story. And <laughs> once again, going to have to announce my Philadelphia teams here. But at the beginning of the season, um, one of the Phillies announcers made a comment saying, we have to beat up on bottom feeders like this. And so the Marlins have actually made a shirt uh, that says bottom feeders, the Miami bottom feeders. And they've held it in their, like by their dugout. Um, and they've, they've done it all season long. And it just seems to be like the, the motive. I don't know if it's like a motivation or like a good luck charm, but um, it seems to be like, it's kind of like a, like the nationals had last year with the baby shark, the angels with the rally monkey. Um, it's an interesting story for sure. Um, but there just seems to be like, you know, a magic about this team. Uh, they did a great job in the offseason uh, knowing when they could possibly contend or be better. I just don't see how you have confidence to, to be better after a like a 105 loss season or whatever it was last year. But they did, bringing in uh, Jesus Aguilar and Corey Dickerson, um, both hitting home runs, I believe, in that game, too, against the Cubs uh, when it matters most. So just th those are turning out to be two excellent signings right now uh, for the Marlins. They're it's definitely paying off with both those guys. Don Mattingly looks like a shoe in for uh, mm -hmm. manager of the year. Um, so nothing not to like about the Marlins. I, I, I think they, they, they kind of like the other six seed, the Astros, who I'm sure we'll get to. I think uh, both of those six seeds have, they're trying to prove a lot of people wrong. Uh, and you can see it with the Marlins. I mean, guys like Jesus Aguilar, especially he's still kind of one of the most slept on guys in major league baseball. I think mm -hmm. nobody really acknowledges him. Uh, but the guy can just flat out hit. You saw what he did with the Brewers. You saw what he did when he was with the Rays for a short stint. Um, he's a really good ball player. He can, and he's a home run threat every time he steps in that batter's box. So, and the pitching has been great between Alcantara and Sixto Sanchez. I, I mean, who knows how far this team can go? The Braves have had trouble in the playoffs. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, I think it'll be a good series. Uh, they played each other ten times, so they know each other well. Um, it's a tough matchup for the Braves for sure. Yeah, definitely. You know, Don Mattingly was quoted today saying, we think we can beat anyone, quite honestly. And I think they should have that level of confidence. You know, we all thought they were going to be awful again this year. And, you know, then their season gets off to such a weird start because they were the first coronavirus outbreak in the major leagues. And, you know, they somehow just kept winning games. Like, all right, it's them in Baltimore. Baltimore faded, you know, like they, quote, should have. Miami never did. And, you know, that was just... Something that was, you know, expected but never happened. And I think, like you said, with all their signings, there's no reason why they shouldn't beat the Braves. You know, I do want to stand up for the Braves for just a second, though. I mean, they're still a good team. They beat a good Reds ball club. You a know, hot Red ball club, too. I think they came in like 8-2 and two in their last 10. Yeah, and Robert Acuna Jr. continues to hit absolute nukes. I don't think a couple of his have landed yet from that <laughs> last series. You know, Robert Acuna Jr. might be the most exciting player to watch left in this tournament. You know, maybe Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, but I don't think this Braves team is out quite yet. But like you mentioned, this Marlins team has all the confidence and should have all the confidence in the world going into this game. You know, it is Freed versus Alcantara in game one. 
and then Lopez and Anderson in game two. You'll certainly see how this goes. Um, getting back to the best of five, I think, helps the Braves a lot. You know, I think the Marlins might steal one, maybe even two, but I think over a longer period of time, that's when the Braves, you know, saying calling them experienced is maybe not the right term. But they certainly have more of it. And I think this also has a big potential to go five games. Yeah, the Braves are starting to turn into one of those teams. They've been there two years in a row. They've won the division uh, rather easily two years in a row. Um, and they've come up short in the playoffs two years in a row. And there comes a time where it's like, you know, this is the year it happens. And definitely the Braves winning that first playoff series since, I, I think it was like 2004 or something, like a long time, a real long time. Because uh, they've been to the playoffs for a bunch of years around 2000, you know, 2010, 2012, 2013. Could not win a playoff series, couldn't win a playoff series the last two years. So just to in uh, with the expanded format, beating a team that wouldn't have been in the playoffs normally, but they came in hot, the Reds. Uh, so they were definitely a playoff caliber team at the time that they did beat. Uh, and they, they beat them pretty easily, um, despite Trevor Bauer's great performance. Um, so nothing not to like about this Braves team. I've always been super high on them. I've always been a believer in, in Acuna ever since he came up and just started mashing the ball. Never really stopped. Um, struggled out of the gate a little bit this year, but he just shows you why. He just continues to show you every night he does something, it feels like, why he's one of the best players in the game. And I think there's no doubt about that at this point, that he was able to figure himself out, make the adjustments he needed to, and, and get to that elite level again. Not everybody can do that. Um, Christian Yelich couldn't even do it this year with the Brewers. He could never really get out of his slump that he started. Ronald Acuna did. Um, and they need him to be the Ronald Acuna we've seen if they're going to have a shot at winning a World Series. But... Definitely a threat to the Dodgers if they can get by the Marlins. I do think the Braves are going to win this in about four games. Um, no more than that. I don't think the Marlins have enough to take it five. Uh, it's been a heck of a run for them, but really, I, I just don't see how they beat the Atlanta Braves with the way Max Fried's pitching, the way that the, these nobodies seem to pitch so well for the Braves. Losing Mike Soroka, Freed was also injured at, at one point. Um but everybody's just coming together and playing great baseball right now for the Braves. They're going to be tough to beat playing like this. Yeah, I agree with that fully. And I think you mentioned earlier, we got one more series left, and that's Houston and Oakland. I would bet 99% of the nation outside of Texas is rooting for Oakland here. Um, but Carlos Correa has kind of embraced his mantra of being the most hated guy in baseball. You know, he said it in a press conference. He's like, we know no one wants us. To win, and that's kind of what's motivating us. You know, this Houston team limps into the playoffs. You know, they had a real tough year. You know, when you can't, I guess, get the trash cans going the whole game. You know, I liked how in the first round, you know, they had the trash can set up in their dugout by the Twins, like right front and center. I thought that was a nice touch, but ultimately they got through the Twins and are now facing the Athletics. They had a big game today. The offense showed up. You know, Correa hit two home runs. You also got two hits from Bregman and Tucker. You know, as much as Altuve still can't seem to hit a beach ball, they're still, you know, making their way along. And this athletics team, again, also you could say got lucky by avoiding the Rays and the Yankees, but I just don't see how they have any shot, especially with that pitching staff of getting through what is, you know, a team in Houston that whether they got there under the right reasons or not, they've been there and they've done that. Yeah, Houston definitely has a lot to prove. I mean, 
a lot of people saying this team just isn't really that good. Um, I've seen a couple things, you know, the, the batting averages, the splits between guys like Springer, Altuve, Bregman, Correa, all the major guys, their averages are way down from where they've always been. Um, and it's definitely translated into more losses for the Astros. Uh, a rough regular season wouldn't have been a playoff team uh, or even close to being one without the expanded playoff format. But who knows? Maybe that was part of the plan. Maybe they, they came in, they looked a little like like the last week of the season, like they were just kind of, you know, waiting for the playoffs to happen and getting ready for some more important games, which they had the luxury of doing with three awful teams in that AL West um, that they were able to coast into second place. Um, and But they had a tough season. They struggled this season, um, but it might be part of their plan. Uh, they have a lot, a lot of people to prove wrong, um, a lot of motivation, and they're definitely playing. I mean, the way they just rolled over that Twins team, which I thought it was going to be their year to make a deep playoff run. They haven't won a playoff, I think, a playoff game. I think they've won eight, 18 straight playoff losses. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was the year. It's coming in with 16. I thought that was going to change for the Twins. It didn't at all. Um, that Astros pitching is, has uh, looked really good so far, but to take it into the athletic series, like, uh, you know, that's going from, okay, maybe a team who just can't win in the playoffs to, okay, now you're beating a really legitimate athletics team who also has a lot of people to, to prove wrong um, with them kind of sneaking in, not sneaking in, having great seasons and being eliminated in the one game wildcard playoff the last couple of years, each with, I think, 97 win seasons. Um, so definitely two teams with a lot to prove and the Astros look like the hungrier team. I got to say today, they look like they, uh, they wanted to prove it more, I guess. Yeah, I think today certainly was the Astros' day, but I think, like you said, the Athletics are not here by accident. I think Sean Manaya knows that. He's been a big key to their success. He gets the ball in Game 2. He had a real rough start against Tampa Bay. Um, excuse me, not Tampa Bay. But in the uh, wild card round, Manaya was real, real bad, um, giving up you know, four runs in just two innings. Couldn't make it into the third inning. You know, he wants... He pitched with a chip on his shoulder with a lot of pride. You know, we've seen him throw no-hitters in the past. I think he's going to come out and really try to right the ship for that this athletics team. And if he does, he can give them the momentum of, you know, big game two win and a potential. He's a guy that could easily be back for game five. It did, he pitched today, right? Um, or, or is he pitching? In the- he pitches on Tuesday. Today was Bassett. Today was bad. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, definitely... Uh, definitely a guy that the Athletics want to turn to. Um, I didn't think, I mean, I'd be pretty surprised if, if he got knocked around that quickly, that fast. But, uh, yeah, definitely the, the Athletics are going to probably lean on him at some point. Um, all, again, with a team like that, they scored five runs today. Um, Astros have been pitching well, but I think the Athletics have enough offensively that, again, you just got to keep them in the game. And, you know, if the Athletics don't hit, then they don't deserve to win the series anyway. So your job, if you're... Manaya and any other athletics pitcher is just to go out, keep your team in the game, um, you know, not let innings where, you know, guys get on base, not let it turn into a ton, you know, a ton of runs, a big inning. You got to avoid the big innings, especially defensively for the athletics. Can't let, uh, you know, one run turn into three on one play, you know, can't be making overthrows, you know, just being smart, playing smart baseball. Um, and giving your offense a chance to win. And ultimately, I think the Athletics will go only as far as they can stay in the games. They cannot be giving up 10 runs um, and, and hoping to win the game. I mean, they, 
it's going to be tough for any team to overcome a deficit like that, that they got themselves into today. So um, going to be really important that the athletics pitchers just give their offense a chance. They weren't able to do that today. Yeah, for sure. I think well said on the athletics. Something I interesting, unrelated to the playoffs, but related to Major League Baseball I read today. In local markets, viewership was up 4% this year, which is a lot better than it has been doing the last few seasons as baseball has really started to tail off a little bit. And to be honest, I'm not surprised. Um, they put out a great product this year in the regular season. So many young teams like the Marlins, you know, the White Sox, you know, those big good stories with the Twins and the Reds, you know, it's not surprising, you know, they're letting the kids play. That's been their mantra for the last two years, you know, let the kids play. And they're letting the kids play. You know, the bat flips are off the hook now in the playoffs, you know. We've seen that, you know, Fernando Tatis' bat flips, you know, he was all over the Major League Baseball Twitter page the other night, and that's where he has to be. You know, they've started to embrace this new style of baseball, and I think it's really starting to pay dividends for them. And if they continue to do it, we'll continue to pay dividends going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, nothing not to like about some of these young teams. Uh, the White Sox definitely stood out. Um, the Padres stood out. Uh, it was looking like they, that was going to be your World Series at, at one point earlier in the season. Um, but definitely great futures for those teams. Um, I'm a little uh, – that those numbers are – I mean, they. I think they make sense to me just because Major League Baseball is kind of like the – long anticipated return of sports uh for that you know that end of july um where there was nothing you know right before the the nhl and nba bubbles um so you know when people you know people who might have normally not watched baseball you know they're going to watch baseball uh when they've been without sports you know and, and quarantined in their homes for months um and i think uh that nationals yankees game is I'll, I'll, that's something those players will never forget that's something I'll never forget, uh, watching that return of sports. I and mean, it wasn't mm -hmm. just the return of baseball. It was the return of sports. Um, and, and that was just an unbelievable uh, way of doing it uh, and, you know, having it prime time, uh, Cole against Scherzer. Um, so I think, you know, that first week of July, I think that really helped the MLB out. And the young kids had a chance to prove themselves. Um, they were electric. They did an unbelievable job putting MLB in a good light. Um, and the viewership uh, shows it throughout the season. And, you know, hopefully again into the postseason, this Padres-Dodgers series should be uh, – any sports fan should watch that series. It's going to it's gonna be a great series, I think. For sure. And we are now just past the bottom of the hour here on the Spinning Around Sports on 89.1 FM, WXVU, Villanova Radio. It is time for another sports update. <laughs> Jared Stidham came in, through a touchdown pass, and then threw one right through Julian Edelman's hands into the arms of Tyron Matthew and took it back. For a six-point interception, making it 26-10 Chiefs with 6.42 to go in the fourth quarter. At the end of one up in Lambeau at the Packers, seven and the Falcons, nothing. In Major League Baseball tonight, we have one game in progress right now, and that is the Rays after G-Man Troy went deep for a two-run home run. They now lead the Yankees 3-2, to two, and the Astros had a 10-5 win over the athletics yesterday. It is the NF NHL draft tomorrow night. A lot of moves expected due to the flat cap this year. Some big news coming out tonight. The Bruins are supposedly out on Oliver Ekman-Larsen. Arizona wants him to expand his list of teams who'd 
accept a trade to beyond Vancouver and Boston, and he will not do it. Interesting to see if that drives the price down to get Vancouver or Boston to bite. And in the NBA, their finals resume tomorrow night at 9 o'clock when the Lakers take on the Heat. Those are WXVU Sports headlines. We'll have next at the top of next show. All right, Ryan, we got about 10 minutes left here on the Spin Around Sports this week. Time to catch up on anything we may have missed. Your thoughts on NHL, NBA, any kind of sports from this past week. I just want to give a shout-out to the Dallas Stars. Uh, incredible run. Incredible run throughout the playoffs. I don't think there were, was really anybody who expected them to go as far as they did. Uh, kind of like the St. Louis Blues kind of story from the year before. Um, and they really they fought the Lightning tough. I watched uh, some of those games. They did a really incredible job. They stayed with the Lightning, and, and they took them as far as I think anybody really could have. But this was this was going to be the year for the Lightning. Uh, congratulations to the Lightning going out there and getting it done after a disappointing finish um, against the Blue Jackets the year before. Um, they definitely look like a, a team on a mission. Um, ever since the bubble started, starting with those two wins against those tough teams, um, and, and they really looked apart. So congratulations to the Lightning. Um, and in the NBA, we've seen some phenomenal series, some, some great basketball. Um, and this finals, uh, Jimmy Butler is unbelievable. Can we just say that? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> unbelievable. Unbelievable games against the Celtics, uh, just willing his team to the finals, really all throughout the, the, the bubble and in the postseason. Uh, Jimmy Butler's done a phenomenal job. Just, you know, doubted all his life, uh, you know, growing up uh, very poor and, and, you know, defying all odds his whole life. So he's not going to be – he's gonna, the last one who's going to back down from any challenge. Um, and definitely a big one in facing LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And the way that Lakers team plays, they play so well as a team. There's no one player that wants the spotlight. Um, they run deep enough where um, – they have a bench you can rely on as well. So definitely a really tough Lakers team. They rolled through the bubble uh, without any problems uh, until last night. Jimmy Butler, uh, just an unbelievable performance, willing his team to victory with uh, Bam Adebayo and I believe Goran Dragic out as well. Mm -hmm. um, just makes it all the more impressive with what he had to what he had to work with. Tyler Hero continues to be amazing for the Heat. Um, stepping up when he's needed most. Um, and despite all that, the Lakers still almost won the game on, on what was not their best night. I expect that the Lakers will win this series. They'll bounce back in the next few games. Uh, this series might go, I hope it goes six or seven games, but um, I think uh, the Lakers are going to win this in five, depending on but the, the Heat. Definitely, they might have bought themselves another game for who knows if Dragic or Adebayo can get back, one or both of them. So we'll see. Yeah, exactly. The Heat, you know, they need to buy themselves some time, and they've done that so far. You know, I don't see this going much past five, maybe six games there. You know, with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, you know, and then you bring in the bench of, with Kuzma and Morris, you know, coming up with 19 points apiece. You know, it's just so tough to overcome coming off of a bench. But if there's anyone that can do it, like you said, it is the Miami Heat. But going back to the Stanley Cup final for a minute, I think it's important to touch. You know, Dallas came in, you know, Joe Pavelski and Corey Perry, two veterans who were towards the end of their career, signed with Dallas this year. And there's chance they they both said we want to win, and I think everyone was like, really? Then why are you going to Dallas? And you know, they created this system there. You know, Perry is a former Stanley Cup champion, as is you know Tyler Sagan, the alternate captain there. 
They bring in some other veterans like Andre Secker, who just re-upped with a new two-year contract. Good for him yesterday. Coming off of his injuries that he's had. You know, no one really believed in this Dallas team. You know, they go through a coaching change midway through the season, which we're talking about being like St. Louis. You know, they also did that as well. But Tampa Bay ultimately showed, and John Cooper showed, you don't need a coaching change. You know, as the longest tenured coach in the NHL, he brought his team to victory. And, you know, I think Julian Breezebois has to be given a ton of credit. You know, they got pushed around by the Columbus Blue Jackets last year. Just out-muscled, out-worked every night. And, you know, they have all the skill, the front-line skill, but they needed to get tougher. And they did with Blake Coleman and Barkley Goodrow. Did they overpay for them? When it happened, I said yes. But after watching them raise the cup, you can't overpay if you win the cup. And another one quick shout-out from that series, Steven Stamkos, the captain of the Lightning, plays 2 minutes and 47 seconds in the entire bubble. You know, it, all the players are talking about how tough it was to be there. Imagine being there and only playing for two minutes the entire time and then scoring a goal. But as the captain of his team, he knew what he had to do to be there. And every single guy in the Lightning, when they were asked, Steven Stamkos, first guy they talked about, that is leadership right there. Coming from a guy who had a chance to leave Tampa Bay in 2016, and a lot of people thought he would go back to Toronto, where he's from, like John Tavares did just two years later. But he stuck it out. He signed an extension in Tampa when things were not looking good. You know, he would have had every right to leave. You could have said he did his time and they didn't work out around him. But he stuck around and really, you know, he said, we're bringing the cup to Tampa, and that is what he did. You know, if you put, you know, put it all on Victor Hedman, Nikita Kucherov, but Steven Stamkos, even though he wasn't playing, still played a massive role in that series. Well, it just shows you a big theme in sports is persistence. Uh, no matter what your role is, player, coach, uh, GM, owner, you know, if you if you persist enough, uh, things d- will end up working out. I think a good example back uh, with the MLB is Don Mattingly with the Marlins. I mean, who mm-hmm. would have seen – it's almost like, you know, they were expected to be bad all these years, but, you know, could you at least not lose 100 games? You know, I think they had lost 100 or very close to 100 a couple years in a row. Um and things weren't looking too good, and they persisted, and, you know, they stayed with Don Mattingly. They said he's the guy, um, despite some really awful, pl- I mean, just errors everywhere you looked. I mean, things that you wouldn't even expect out of a rebuilding team. And now you have a manager of the year candidate. Kind of the same thing in the NHL um, and what we saw with the Lightning, and that's just a great story with Steven Stamkos. Um, I didn't know he only played that short of a, of a time in the bubble, uh, but congratulations to him. Scoring a goal, I had to feel so good for him. Um, and so good for, for Tampa Bay Lightning fans. Um, and they can finally celebrate that cup, thanks in large part to the persistence of, of not just Stamkos, but all their guys um, coming together, getting the job done. And Stamkos laid the foundation, um, and his teammates followed. Uh, just a great team performance all throughout the bubble. Um, nothing not to love about this year's Lightning team. Uh, just, a, just a great team in every aspect. Um, so congratulations to them all. Yeah, and I think, you know, going back a little bit on that note is we're going to have a lot of players changing teams in all sports now coming up soon. We have free agency in the NHL starting on Friday, the NBA not soon after the finals. Major League Baseball, a lot of people have played their last games on their teams. We're going to have some big ticket free agents coming up. And guys are making themselves a lot of money right now in these playoffs. You know, I look at Trevor Bauer and... He was just cashing checks every single game right there. 
it'll be hard to see a pitcher getting more money than he will this winter just based on how much of a big game player he is. You know, is he a total wild card in every factor of the word? Yes, you know, from cutting his hand on his drone, you know, in the middle of the ALCS to, you know, literally screaming every word under the sun on the mound, you know. But I think this guy's a big game pitcher, and I don't know about you, but I would sign him up to be on my team any day of the week. Oh, well, yeah, he's got the Twitter to go along with it. And, <laughs> and this is the kind of guy that the MLB wants to market. Uh, they want to market a guy who is, you know, pretty outspoken and, you know, just, you know, makes himself makes himself available and, uh, you know, really shows himself to be just a great talent. Um, got a phone ringing. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> uh, but... <laughs> Yeah, uh, Trevor Bauer is a guy that ML, the kind of guy that MLB wants to market. Um, he's he's just pitched unbelievable, and but he, ultimately what he does on the mound does does the most talking, and he's been phenomenal. He was phenomenal against the Braves in the playoffs. Um, obviously, not get who knows what he could have done throughout the rest of the playoffs if his team was able to hit the ball a little better. Um, definitely nothing he can do about that. So, uh, with that said. I think he's definitely going to get a big check this winter. Um, and, you know, as for a lot of players, uh, COVID is, it's interesting how COVID is going to factor into a lot of teams' decisions, you know, because there's so much up in the air still about fans for next year and, and you know, what, what capacity, what ballparks will be filled at, who's going to come out to see which teams, because, you know, we all know a lot of teams don't get a lot of attendance. So um, Trevor Bauer is going to get paid. It's pretty obvious he's earned that. Um and but he but it's interesting because he's the kind of guy that MLB wants to market. He's the kind of guy that MLB wants to showcase, uh, and he's and he's perfect for that. I mean, with his Twitter, his interaction with fans, um, he's just he's just a fans kind of player. And you know, wherever he goes, the fans are gonna fall in love with him pretty quickly. Exactly, and that about brings us to the end of our time, Ryan. Another great show tonight. This was fun. Um, we'll be back next week, uh, same time, eight thirty p.m. Eastern. Aaron Judge has just gone yard again for the Yankees, so that's now a 4-3 game. Um, Good game. Yeah, we will be talking a lot of Major League Baseball playoffs, especially these Rays, Yankees, and then Padres and Dodgers series. These are the much-watched sports events over the next few nights. Um, But, Ryan, another great show. I'm looking forward to doing it again next week. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. Uh, So great to be back after the week off uh, and some great things to talk about. Big time for the, uh, for the, the sports world right now. Exactly. All right. Thank you to all of our listeners. We did record tonight's show in its entirety. It'll be up on Spotify, hopefully by tomorrow night, if not sooner. So check it out by searching Spin Around Sports on Spotify or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And we'll be back 8.30 next week alongside Ryan Pacino. I'm Patrick Connors. This has been the Spin Around Sports.